welcome to I Think You're Interesting. I'm Todd Vanderwerk, the I and I Think You're Interesting. And if there's one thing you know about me from following me on social media or just knowing me in real life or like just hearing the high-pitched squeal I make every November 1st, like from wherever you are in the continental United States, it's that I love Christmas music. I have a huge collection of it, uh, both, you know, physical and then digital. And then I have an enormous Spotify playlist called Vander Christmas that you can subscribe to if you want. And I mean, I like the stuff that gets overplayed that you're sick of, but what I like to do is find really obscure, really rare stuff that you've maybe never heard of, or like the new releases that are a little under the radar. And one of those new releases is something I want to talk about today. And that is from the artist PJ Morton. It's called Christmas with PJ Morton, and it has some really fascinating takes on some standards, including like a reggae-influenced winter wonderland. Let's take a listen to that now. P.J. Morton has received Grammy nominations for his 2017 album Gumbo. He's played with the band Maroon 5. He's done a whole bunch of stuff, but I really enjoyed his Christmas album. And also, it seems like he's maybe a Christmas music aficionado, too. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Christmas music that you're not going to be sick of come December 24th. And I hope you'll stick around because ho, 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 we had a great time. My guest is PJ Morton. His new Christmas album is out now. It's called Christmas with PJ Morton. PJ, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So here is what I love about Christmas music and Christmas albums is every artist who does one has to kind of choose which songs they want to put their spin on. You know, obviously there are originals right. and, and things like that, but you still had like covered some of the great Christmas songs. So of course, I'm wondering, you know, how did you decide which songs to cover? Right. Well, first of all, I, d I don't like when people do Christmas albums and they're all originals. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I think that defeats the purpose. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the way I chose the songs I did was kind of a combination of things. One, I just listed all my all my favorites, right? Mm -hmm. But then also, um, it had to be songs like some of my favorites didn't make it because I wasn't able to uh, make it mine enough, you know, or make it original enough, or put a different spin on it enough. Right. So I left some of those um, on the side, you know. But basically, it was just the ones that I love. I mean. I'm I'm a big fan of Christmas music mm -hmm. and the uh the songs are just so well written, you know, the melodies are obviously timeless. That's why we don't get tired of them after all these years. Um but yeah, it was kind of my favorites and in addition to that, it was what what could I bring something fresh to? Yeah, and w one of the things that I think is interesting what you said was like you don't like when it's an album of all originals and a lot of the other times of the year, we're like, we want to hear what an artist has to say. And then at the holidays, we're like, let's hear your spin on these classics. Yeah. Why, why do you think these songs endure? Man, I really think it's just, uh, they're so well written. I mean, they're very simple, uh, but the melodies um, are so great that you just, you don't get tired of them. And the, uh, and, and the lyrics are so well written because they just 
uh, simply in a very simple way, explain the way we feel during that season. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's hard to beat those, you know? Yeah. Well, one thing I want to ask you about is the opening track on the album is a spin on Winter Wonderland. And I don't, I don't know a ton about music, but it, it sounded to me like it had some kind of reggae influence, which is yeah. not what I'd think about for the winter. <laughs> um, and I'm right. wondering like how kind of that idea came to you for that, that song that is so much about snow and ice and all of that. Right. Well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a New Orleans boy, you know, <laughs> born and raised. And uh, I, I can't relate a whole bunch to, to Winter Wonderland. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, our our Christmases were cold at best, you know, mm. but there wasn't really any snow on the ground. Or, but ultimately, I knew that I wanted to do a reggae vibe on the album. And uh, me and my, and my band, we went through, we looked through the songs that I had picked and tried to see which one would fit the best. And I kind of liked the oxymoron of it, talking about Winter Wonderland and, and, and feeling like you're on an island, you mm. know, a sunny island. Um, and it just felt right. That's the first one we tried, and uh, we just went with that. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, we're going to kind of do a, a little thing here we do sometimes on the show, which is we're going to ask you about some of your favorites in this category, and we'll just kind of okay. go one at a time. Uh, so I want to ask you your favorite Christmas recordings, and you can interpret that however you want, uh, song or album, just something that you didn't record that you find really speaks to you. Um, and gotcha. why, why don't you tell us one of those, and we'll kind of talk about that. Well, um, one that sticks out for me for sure is uh, a Motown Christmas. Oh, yeah. Um, and you got, you know, you got the Jackson 5 on there. You've got Stevie on there. Got Marvin, you got the Supremes, you got Smokey. So I think they kind of had the cheat code, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was kind of unfair that they were able to put all those all those greats together to make this uh, very soulful Christmas album. Yeah. Do you, like, have a memory of, like, the first time you heard that? That's such a staple, so probably you don't. But, like, do you have a memory of that coming into your life? I don't. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't born when it came out, mm -hmm. uh, but I, it always existed in, as far as I know, you know. Hearing, hearing the Jackson 5, you know, singing like Santa Claus is coming to town and mm -hmm. stuff mm has -hmm. always been a part of my holiday. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know, you know, how it came into my life, but it was just always there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And the, like the Jackson 5 Santa Claus is coming to town is like such a famous version of that song. And like, but there, mm -hmm. there are so many other uh, great versions of that. When you were approaching your own list of songs. Were there songs where you were like, I want to stay away from this? Cause like, for instance, maybe I, maybe you thought the Jackson five had done that so well. Yeah. Especially with these soulful versions, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, if I couldn't change it enough without like just trying, trying to change it, I didn't want it to feel like I'm trying to change the song so much. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to be a natural organic uh, feel of the way I would do it. But yeah, like Santa Claus is coming to town. I probably would do it just about the same way, you mm -hmm. know, or or Stevie Sunday at Christmas. I would just sound like a like Stevie, try, <laughs> you know, somebody trying to do Stevie Wonder Sunday at Christmas. Uh, so I stayed away from things like that. You know, I kind of stuck to things where I knew that I could um, bring my vibe to it. Uh, but a lot of those soulful versions are the way I do it anyway. You right, know, right. When you look at a lot of these songs, like. I'm thinking another one you cover on there is, is the Christmas song, which has been done by so many artists, but is usually done very, is often done very straightforward, very in the style it was written, which is kind of traditional 
Americana from the 40s. I don't know sure. the term. I apologize. But like when you want to yeah, bring- neither do I. Uh. <laughs> when you want to bring your own vibe to it or when like somebody on a Motown Christmas or somebody who wants to bring their own self to, an, to a song like that, like how much work do you have to do to put it in your voice? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think if it takes a lot of work, then that's probably not the version, you know, mm-hmm. that you should be doing. We um we we cut the music for for this record in two days, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very just having fun. We're familiar with these songs, but we're just vibing them out the way we would. Um, that didn't take a lot of thought or energy, you know. It was kind of like, wh- how do I feel this? You know, if I was just to naturally do this. Um, and that, that's the way it came. You know, I wanted to make it exciting Mm. and, uh, and, and I wanted to make it, you know, not exciting just for everybody else, but for me too, you know? So yeah, it, it it wasn't a bunch of work. It was just kind of fun to be honest with you. Yeah. Looking at the the lineup of songs on Motown Christmas, you've got Jackson 5, Stevie Wonder, The Temptations, The Supreme, Smokey Robinson, like, like you talked about. Unfair. Who, yeah, it's really unfair, but who of sort of the Motown artists, who's the one that you love the most or have taken the most from that you feel like really is it speaks to you oh it's, it's no doubt stevie interesting Wonder. yeah why do you say that um yeah yeah i don't know if you noticed uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh no but stevie's such a huge influence man mm-hmm. before i was writing songs um or anything i had internalized stevie wonder um i used to go to this uh with my allowance every week i'd go to this circuit city by my house and and uh, rest in peace, Circuit City. But I'd go to, I'd go to the Circuit City, and and uh, I started to buy Stevie Wonder CDs in chronological chronological order, and um, literally just became obsessed. You know, I think also being a keyboard player drew me to him mm-hmm. um, because I could relate. You know, it's like I want to sit down and sing and play too. Mm. And for me, nobody did it better than Stevie. So he was kind of my blueprint for a lot of. Uh, you know a lot, a lot of what I wanted to do, um, and of course I've been I've been influenced by many others, but uh, Stevie's definitely, you know, up there for me. When I talk to musicians who are inspired by Stevie, as so many of them are, like he's still alive, and like you can you can like still perform with him, like mm-hmm. knowing that he's out there. Like like, do you always kind of feel like you're living in his shadow, or are you like like is that a good feeling at the same time? No, I'm actually. I mean, because he vouches for me. I'll, I'll, um, I'm doing something with Stevie. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, actually, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and there's sort of a relationship there. So he's very aware, you know. I mean, we've we, we recorded a song together. You know, we were nominated for a Grammy together in, right. in 2013 for the song "Only One." Um, so I feel proud, almost like a proud son. Mm. You know, is how I feel. Um, I know that I sound like him sometimes, and. Uh, there's not something that I run away from, you know. Mm-hmm. Usually when people are saying it, it's in a respectable way. And it humbles me for people to feel like, you know, um, anything like Stevie. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you know, when I think about my my body of work, there's so much non-Stevie sound and stuff, too. You know, I think it's it's easier to pinpoint that because my my voice, you know, mm-hmm. is like him. And, and of course— um, especially on Gumbo, a lot and the Christmas record with the Moog, you know, I was in, inspired by the instrument the same way he was. So stylistically, you know, it, it it gets very Stevie sometimes. But when I think about like you know, everything's gonna be all right, and like mm-hmm. go through your phone, and a lot of these songs that I have, it's really not not Stevie because 
when I think about it, I was as inspired by by Prince and mm-hmm. Al Green oh, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. and D'Angelo, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a mix there. But Stevie Wonder for me vocally is who I'm most influenced by. So I know I know that comes out a lot. But I, I'm not I don't run away from that at yeah. all. You yeah. know, I'm I'm happy to be in that company. When you work with Stevie, like as often as you have, like when does he stop being like a legend and just become like a guy you know, a work colleague? You know, never, never, <laughs> never. I, yeah, I uh, his his daughter and I are are, are close, Aisha, and um, she, you know I have his phone number. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And she's like, call him. I'm like, no. Like, what am I gonna say? Like, I don't <laughs> just want to call him. <laughs> you know, she's like, you want to hear from you, and I'm like. No, it's okay. I'll just, you know, I'll wait till there's something big I need to say. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it'll ever wear off from me who he is and what he is uh to uh, to the world of music and um I'm cool with keeping that separation. You know, he's such a cool person um yeah. that you could get comfortable, but it's just I don't think I got that got yeah. that in me to be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. let's uh, let's kind of go back to your your favorite Christmas recordings. What's another uh, What's another Christmas recording you love? Um, well, you know, when I think about my growing up, um, Boys to Men's Christmas record, really mm-hmm. off the strength of uh, Let It Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. Uh, I guess I'm always impressed when people can uh, create, you know, slip an original in there mm-hmm. uh, with all the classics. And it and it actually stick, you know, and resonate. And uh, let it snow for me was a song that I remember playing on repeat, like over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's definitely one of those one of those albums um, that that um, touched me, you know. And, uh, that was a holiday album. And they're like so known for their their harmonies and and being able to just like turn any song, literally any song, into kind of a kind of a heartbreaker. I mean, obviously they have mm-hmm. other songs that aren't that way, but like as a child of the '90s, I remember it feels that way. Yeah, <laughs> I remember all yeah. their slow dances and feeling very awkward, like when that totally. song would come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is it about their their Let It Snow? Like, do you, can you kind of key into what about that song works for you? Um, yeah, well, lyrically. It was simple, right? Mm-hmm. It was just talking about those classic things. You can't get too far away from like just keeping it simple and classic. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it gave a soulful, like melodically, it was something we we don't normally equate to uh, Christmas music. I don't think they tried to make it feel Christmassy. It was just the sentiment was there, and you felt it felt like Christmas, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that really spoke to me, and they. They also were young to me at the time. So I, I was always used to older people um, making Christmas music, mm. and they kind of brought their own thing to it. And, um, it, you know, at that time, I was really impressed by it. And, like, you know, it's probably one of those records that made me say, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, make a Christmas record one day, you know? Yeah, yeah. When you were growing up, like you mentioned, you grew up in New Orleans. I grew up in snow country. I grew up in South Dakota. So snow at Christmas spoke to me. (laughs) But when you were growing up hearing all these Christmas songs about snow, did you like, was that kind of like weird for you to hear all that? No, for us, it was like a aspiration type thing. (laughs) It was like, like, oh man, that's, 
it almost it might have been cooler for us, you know, because you guys know what it really is. Mm-hmm. And it's not all fun and fluffy, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. uh, all the time. So, um, yeah, for us, it, it felt like another place, mm-hmm. you know. It, mm-hmm. it was like a like a dream world. When I, when I think of Winter Wonderland, mm-hmm. it's like, that sounds like Disney World with snow or something, you know. So as a kid, no, I didn't— I, I, I felt connected to it because all the things we saw about Santa was always the sleigh and, you know, snow. So that that's kind of what we wanted to think of it as, even though we didn't really have it. What are your biggest childhood memories of celebrating the holiday? Well, I'm a preacher's kid. My dad's a pastor. Mm-hmm. And um, so the thing I remember the most is we'd have church early morning, maybe 8 o'clock on, on Christmas Day. Eight in the morning. Mm-hmm. And my father would wake us up like six in the morning every Christmas. And we were able to open one gift uh, up before church. Um, and my dad had a video cam- a camcorder since like 1982 or something like that. So um, he would wake us up with the camera. I appreciate it now. <laughs> it was a little annoying then. Uh, but that is a big memory. And also, we were in New Orleans. The rest of my family is from Canada and Detroit. And... Um, They'd come down in New Orleans. We were the we were the Christmas house. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. My all my cousins and uncles and aunts, and uh, we get around the piano. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, we're like a TV Christmas family or something. We get around the piano and and literally sing Christmas carols t- uh, in, into the night. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, we'd remix them and make them our own and take them to church and you know uh, all these different things. So it was a uh, that that really sticks out to me. Do you remember what your favorite song was to sing or play, like when you were a kid, that that you could kind of sing yourself? Yeah, I wasn't the lead. I w- I couldn't really play yet. Mm-hmm. The, the memories I'm thinking of, I was playing a little bit, but my uncle used to play on Motown records and stuff. He he was kind of the main guy mm-hmm. until I became the main guy. But I remember an early one that I learned, and the one we used to always end on was Silent Night. Mm-hmm. So I used to. I know I learned how to play that early on because I was thinking of like, man, the next Christmas my family comes, I'm I'm gonna be able to play this for everybody, you know. When you come from a musical family like that, is there any trepidation on people's part when you say, "Oh, I'm gonna be a musician too," or are they like there with all the advice on how to do it? Yeah, I think it's uh that made it less scary, you know, to see songwriters and musicians around, just creative people in general mm. in my family, it made it not a big thing, you know. It, mm-hmm. it didn't. It wasn't scary. It, it wasn't like my parents were doctors and they're like, no, you can't make a living being a musician. They, they had seen, you know, thousands of people make livings as musicians. It, it was like the family business, you know. So there was advice. But the coolest thing, I think, is just there was no fear. Mm. Nobody told me not to pursue music. Mm. I never mm. heard that before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You you mentioned that your your father's a, a pastor, and I, I I kind of was I'm curious to like sort of talk about like there is some religious music on your album. I'm wondering like how mm-hmm. you feel about the religious side of the holiday now, and and you don't have to tell me like the whole history of your faith or whatever, but I'm sure. sort of curious about that. Um, I mean, well, ultimately, I believe that the, the holiday was created, you know out of it being Jesus' birthday. Mm-hmm. So uh, I never try to fully separate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, You know, that that is where it comes from. I think just in general, I, 
I'm a fan of tradition, you know? Yeah. And I think that having that connected is always a good thing. But at the same time, all the classics that are non-religious speak to me as well, you mm-hmm. know? So it, it, I'm not so tied to it being a religious holiday, but I, I like the balance of it. I like knowing where it comes from and paying homage to that, which is why I made sure I wanted to have at least one gospel song on the record, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, uh, celebrating the classics and what the holiday has uh, evolved to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Since we're sort of circling back to Let It Snow, I do want to ask, what's your first memory of snow? My first memory of snow? Well, when it when it snowed, and I, I can't, I, I remember there was a bad winter um, because we had uh, palm trees in our front yard. <laughs> uh, that's that's how sunny it was in New, in New Orleans. It never got too cold. But I remember my dad was really hurt because the palm trees one winter died, you know, and uh, they were ruined. We had to cut them down. Um, so I kind of remember the snow being on the grass that that winter. Oh wow! And it was a rare occurrence mm-hmm. to for it to snow in New Orleans. So that that winter kind of sticks out in my mind. I was mm-hmm. a kid, but uh, yeah. As someone who tours now uh, with with your music, do do you uh, do you now curse winter weather because it can sometimes make touring very hairy? Oof. Yeah, it can. <laughs> it definitely uh, is a challenge. We were just in Europe as well, mm-hmm. and it was freezing. Um, it does make life harder on the road when it's cold. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't curse it because it. It gets so hot in New Orleans in July that it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that to myself. I'll be grateful for the for the opposite, you know. But uh, it definitely, definitely adds some challenges. Yeah, living in L.A. where I, I go to the beach every Christmas just to sort of like take a photo of it and rub it in my family's face back home. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you but, come from that, yes. Yeah, yeah. but I, I really do miss the cold sometimes. Like I really do yeah. miss that. I don't know, something about it. The seasons are special, man. And they are. a reason, you know. It's, it's like... I lived in New York. I got to see all four seasons. It was, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I always tell people about living in L.A. that the thing I miss most is is the seasons. And like, you know, mm-hmm. people think I'm strange, but I do. Yeah, our, yeah. Our first two. I lived in New uh, L.A. six years, and our first two Christmases were just really weird. Just <laughs> couldn't get into it, just being sunny, because at least it's cold in New Orleans. It won't snow, but it. Yeah. it it's, it's winter, kind of, you know? Yeah. L.A. is like, no, it's just the same. <laughs> so it took a while. Coming up next, to help inspire your holiday gift giving, we have a very special advertiser message from the Lego store and shop.lego.com. Check it out. This is the story of how a single childhood gift sparked a lifetime of creativity. It began with those tiny, colorful bricks that we're all familiar with. Once I started building with Lego, it really clicked with my brain. It really is this versatile medium of creation. That's Grant Davis and Jason Alleman. They work together on this year's winning concept for Lego Ideas, a platform for fans to showcase builds and possibly have them manufactured by the company. They created a workable pop-up book that tells the stories of Jack and the Beanstalk and Little Red Riding Hood, complete with a 3D grandmother's cottage and a telescoping beanstalk. I can't remember a time when I didn't want to make a Lego pop-up book. When he posted one of his prototypes, as soon as I watched that video, I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Like a lot of us, Grant and Jason got Lego sets as kids, 
And those early gifts continue to influence them to this day. So the first ever set I got as a gift was this little temple in the jungle, and there was a, a mean lion. The first Technic forklift. It just blew my young mind that you could make these things that, like, gears that mesh together and a steering system that worked out of these, like, little plastic pieces. For the record, Grant builds and photographs intricate jungle-themed Lego worlds, and Jason creates kinetic Lego sculptures. They trace that back to those first childhood sets. And now, the pop-up book set that they collaborated on will inspire the next generation of Lego builders. When I think about the fact that some kid might get my set for Christmas, it makes me think that you know, I'm going to be influencing the next generation, providing them with the, the imagination and the initiative to start making their own things, their own stories. With Lego, every gift has a story. Start your story today at your local Lego store. Thanks for that message from our sponsor, The Lego Store. To learn more, go to lego.build slash vox. That's lego.build slash vox, V-O-X. Or you can simply tap the link in the show notes to get started. Can you tell me another favorite uh, Christmas recording of yours? Um, well, when I, when I was thinking about it just now... Um, Faith Evans' Christmas album is the first time I worked with her. I produced a song on there. Mm-hmm. It's a Stevie song that we redid. And that made me focus on her record, obviously, a little bit more because I wanted to hear my song. But Faith, for me, you know, in that Bad Boy era and like the 90s, was the first uh, female artist we heard sound like church, you know, like the church I grew up in. Yeah. And um, so— uh, that's what I'm always looking for is like one of my favorite voices um, taking on these classics. And she did. And uh, Faithfully Christmas is the name of that album. So it was kind of like two birds, one stone. I got to work with Faith Evans and um, and her record was great. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what was the song you, you produced on that album? Uh, that's what I was trying to remember. The Day. Uh, was it? The Day I, That Love Began? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what, it's, Thank you. I'm always curious about this. Like, what is the relationship for you? Like, when you produce a song versus when you perform it. Like, what do those two sides of your creative personality? Like, what do they feed in you? Yeah, they feel like two different people. I feel like uh, as a producer, you know, I'm a, I'm a director, and I get to see a full vision there without mm-hmm. being tied to it. You know, it's not a personal. Thing So I can be objective and just see the whole picture like a quarterback, you know, and um, I enjoy that side of it. And of course, when I'm doing it for myself, I'm still quarterbacking, but there's a lot more internal thing of like, am I saying this like the way I want to say it? And am I putting, you know, so it's much more um, in my head when uh, when I'm doing it for myself. Mm. Um, I enjoy them both. They kind of give me balance. Um, but producing records, man, I still love so much because you can just be the quarterback and like feel everything, and ev- ev- everything there is is a tool that in the toolbox that you can use, you know, and it's a exciting position to be in for me. You mentioning that you know you really try to think about how you want to perform, how you want to say when it's a song that you're performing. It, like it makes me think about again these songs on your album that are you know age old classics. Like when you approach those lyrics, how do you think about them? Do you try to find something new to say with them, or do you really try to like uh, just approach them as written? 
I want them to feel as uh, natural and organic as possible. So, uh, you know, I place myself into those situations, really, mm-hmm. and uh, try to internalize those lyrics where uh, I'm saying it as if I, I wrote them and mm-hmm. lived it, you know. Um, and uh, I think when you do that, then you're able to connect you know, so I have to connect in order for it to connect to anybody else, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I really try to internalize them and, and become that person mm-hmm. and uh, become those experiences. When you're thinking about like when you're thinking about like someone who might sing the Christmas song, like who who do you think that person is? I think a gnat, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that's who pops in my head. Yeah. Um, when I when I think about the Christmas song, it's just uh, so synonymous with him in a fireplace, in a piano, you know. Um, and, the, yeah, his version always pops in my head. What are your traditions now that you're an adult? Do you still go home for, for Christmas, or do you are you kind of just uh, bound by the road? Yeah, we, we, we're pretty good about Christmas, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm usually home. Um, it's also, I got married on Christmas, mm-hmm. so I'm always with my wife on Christmas Day, and... Uh, yeah, that's really the main thing. I mean, we we do gifts, and we don't do huge Christmases anymore, actually. Um, but we do a couple of gifts. My all my kids' birthdays are in, in December, <laughs> and, and one in November. So we we keep Christmas kind of light and uh, focus a lot on the anniversary. Um, Easy yeah, way to remember your anniversary too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking ahead. <man. laughs> you you sort of mentioned that Faith Evans, her voice sounded like what you remembered of going to church, and I, mm-hmm. I I've heard people talk about that before. And kind of give me that. What is what is a voice of like going to church? What what to you does that sound like? Right. Well, they they've changed over the years, right? Because you had the sure. like the Mahalia voice, you know? right? So then the Clark sisters came out when we were kids in the 80s, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, really through the 90s is when we were old enough to to understand what it was. But the kids who were influenced by the Clark sisters was basically my generation, mm-hmm. right? So Faith was a, was a kid that was listening to the Clark sisters. Mm-hmm. And that's how the young girls sang when I was growing up, you know. Um, and... So that's why we loved her as an R&B artist in the first place. We're like, oh, man, I know that singing. You know, that's like what I grew up on. And, um, yeah, so they've changed over the years, obviously. But when I was speaking of faith, it was like, those are the girls that listen to to Karen Clark, you know. Mm. And that's kind of interesting, too, because a lot of those gospel songs, a lot of those hymns are— Sort of like Christmas songs, they're standards that we sort of just keep reviving and putting our own true. spins true, on. Very similar. Yeah. Do you, when you sort of think about that, what do you think it is that makes a song timeless? I realize you probably can't answer that, but maybe you have a theory because there, I'm you know I listen to these older Christmas songs that have kind of fallen by the way that people don't listen to anymore. What is it that makes a song mm-hmm. endure to you? Yeah, I, I think um, you know not to sound basic, but I think it's the lyric and the melody. Because, you know, drums are usually the first thing to age a song, a recording, right? Because drums are so specific to the to the, to the decade, mm-hmm. you know. It's like you had two mics on the drums in the 60s, you know, and then got a little 
you, you got to the disco stuff in the 70s, you know, and then the drums got super clean in the 80s. And then the 90s, we went to programming, you know. Um, so that's usually what ages um, a song. But what never ages is a melody and a, and a, and a lyric, you know, unless you're that's what I'm, that's what I mean about classic lyrics where you're not speaking to anything specific of the time. Mm-hmm. You're speaking about snow, which yeah. it exists, you know, it will never change. It'll always be snow, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, you always have a Christmas tree, you know, you all these things that are that don't that don't time stamp it. Um and I think with both Christmas songs and hymns, it's just real life, just real classic lyrics. And the melody is so simple um, that you don't get tired of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why remakes, I think, is the the telltale sign of how classic a song is. Because no matter how much I changed it and made Winter Wonderland reggae, it's like, man, the melody is still king, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just it just always wins. When you mentioning that that sort of like drums can date a song, like makes me think that production values sometimes do do that. So like when you are producing a song, do you worry about that at all? Or do you just accept that like, you know, you 20 years from you now? You can't worry about it. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I, a lot of times I use classic things, which are, that'll always be, you know, piano. And, and I think when I say drums, you know, when you just play straight, you know, um, a lot of times that'll, That'll last, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, specific sounding drums of the time. It'd be trap drums right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if you put trap drums on it, then it's gonna timestamp it. But a drum set will always be a drum set, you know. Yeah. Um. So if it's played like it's played, uh, then that doesn't even uh, timestamp it. Um. But you can't think about that when you're creating, because mm-hmm. sometimes you want to create something in the moment, you know, mm-hmm. and um, have it be that. Um. So. Uh, I don't think you should be thinking about that, but uh, but it, it it certainly can happen. Excellent. Well, let's uh, let's go back and and look at another one of your favorite uh, Christmas recordings, if you have one. Well, of course, I think a modern classic um, is Mariah. I mean, yeah. we did one of her songs. Um, yeah. I'd go as far to say that hers is the the best in recent history. Like as far as performance, you know, how how well it did, and the fact that she created a modern classic with All I Want for Christmas Is You. She's definitely in the top three of, you know, recent Christmas albums that didn't happen in the, I don't know, 40s or 50s or 60s mm-hmm. um, that, that has stuck around. So that definitely is a big one. And she, I can remember, she was just so huge at the time. I remember the TV special at the time. It was just bigger than life. That song is so smart because it's a Christmas love song, of which there are surprisingly few. Mm, And like, mm -hmm. it's such a such a joyous, wonderful tune. When you you, when you were going to put your own stamp on that, when her version is still so famous, like, Mm -hmm. how did you approach that question? Oh well, well, my strategy was just to totally stay out of her way. You know, (laughs) not even try to compete. Just have it be so me Mm -hmm. that it's like, oh, this is apples and oranges, really. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't want to be in. <laughs> I didn't want to be anywhere near Mariah's version, you know, in the sense of me trying to, uh, you know, copy anything that she did besides that melody and that lyric, you know. Um, and um, I was so happy once we start grooving it the way we did. 
I felt like I wasn't even in her lane at all, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just such a good song, so well written. You know? Yeah, yeah, so well written. When you, when you like you, you've mentioned a lot of times that a song is well written, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. like how you approach how, what what makes you think that on just a technical level, like a level of like this melody is so perfectly constructed, or like you know these th- this is just like so well laid out, you know? Yeah, well, from a melodic standpoint, on all I want for Christmas, um, there are like little cheat codes in there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like the oohs, the ooh, baby. Anybody feels like they can sing that, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not hard to do for a kid. It's not hard to do for anybody. Mm. Um, and I think that was just well done. And um, it sounds like a lullaby. Mm. It's just simple, you know? It's just very simple. And um, lyrically, like you said, a Christmas love song is just brilliant, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and for me, phonetically, like the way words come off your lips, you know, and I, I just think that sometimes there's just this perfect combination of 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 like rhyming. You say get technical. I'm getting nerdy, but like. No, that's great. Um, Let's do it. But, but rhyme technique, you know, it's just like sometimes you just know that you got it. Yeah. All yeah. the way right, you know. Mm. Um, so I don't want a lot for Christmas uh, there's just one thing I need. I don't need the presents underneath the Christmas tree. Like that's just, to me, the rhyming is so simple mm-hmm. and simplicity becomes the hardest thing, you know, Yeah. Um, after a while. And uh, they just, they just nailed it. How important to these songs lasting do you think is that element of simplicity, that element of anybody can sing Silent Night? Like you can't, I can't sing All I Want for Christmas is You as good as Mariah Carey can or as you can, but like I can still choke it mm-hmm. out, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I think how it's vital. I think yeah. it's vital for mm-hmm. to, to it being a classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you don't find classics that aren't, you know, uh, simplistic in that way. Um, when things become too complex, uh, people can... Uh, Admire them, you know, and like uh, admire what it is and, you know, some of the complex things. But as far as it like being a classic that just never goes away, mm-hmm. I think um, if you look at it, you know, there's a thread. Um, certainly uh, there are probably exceptions to the rule, but the rule um, 99% is is that is that simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. And as a keyboard player yourself, when, when you look at that, that Mariah Carey song, there's that great kind of the piano is laying down, uh, I think it's a seventh chord or something. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, I've read a lot about how that is like what makes the song sound Christmassy. And I'm wondering if, if you have thoughts on like sort of that Christmassy sound. Yeah, I think stylistically, I mean, the sleigh bells is a huge thing, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a huge cue. And yeah, there are some melodic things where you know you want to land um, you know, in in order for it to feel Christmassy, that I dealt I dealt with that uh, because my thing was not to just let the songs speak for themselves mm-hmm. and not try to over Christmasize them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, with bells and all these things, um, and because uh, the songs are so classic now that you don't have to give cues. Um, but with an original, I could see where where you want to make sure people know it's a Christmas song. And yes, yeah, the the piano type vibe on it and um even the way the drums are 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 driving it and the and the sleigh bells of course I think were the were the Christmas cues. 
Mm. You mentioned yeah. earlier that you, you as a kid listened to that Let It Snow by mm. Boys to Men over and over again. And like, mm-hmm. is that something you still do? You like listen to a song to kind of try to, I guess, almost move into it to figure out how it works? Yeah, well, my initial having Let It Snow on repeat wasn't me trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt it so deeply yeah. that I needed to hear it over and over. And then maybe after I was like, okay, why does this make me feel like this? Mm. But there was no why initially. It was just like, I feel this and I don't want to listen to anything else, you know? Mm. Mm. Well, uh, I, I do want to ask, do you have one last favorite Christmas recording? Yes, I do. And this is more of a recent one, but Michael Bublé's Christmas album like quickly became one of my favorites. And um, he, he did the opposite of, of, of what I tried to do, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. which is um, uh, do the classics the way the classics uh, are supposed to be done. Right. But I also think that that is also a very difficult thing to do right. and, beat, and beat the others or, or, or hold your ground with the others because they're so sacred and so classic. But I feel like Mike, he is really the lineage, you know? It's not, it's not like he's uh, trying to sound like them or like be like them, he embodies it, you know? And um, for me, just wanting to hear those recordings, those classics updated and sounding cleaner and sounding newer, but still just being the classics and those orchestrations, mm-hmm. the, the the orchestral arrangements on it and his voice, I'm a big fan. Um, so um, I wanted to have one, nor- one normal one on my list mm-hmm. and um, that Michael Buble, it is like a great Christmas album. You know. Do you have any favorite songs off that album? I, I don't think I've ever listened to it, actually. His I'll Be Home for Christmas is is, is beautiful. It's certainly where I um, got some inspiration for mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's like it's like a son of Frank, you know, or, or something like that. I mean, but it's the real thing. You know, it, you can always tell when somebody's just uh, imitating, you know, and when they're just purely the lineage of it. You know, it's like, no, this is how I feel it. Um, And I can relate to that. When you think about someone like Michael Buble, like going essentially at that crooner tradition, like going right at and trying to do straight up Bing Crosby, straight up Frank Sinatra, like Mm -hmm. uh, how do you think uh, an artist can approach that in in your own work? Like as as you've said, like when you're doing songs that sound a little more like Stevie or something like that, how do you approach Mm -hmm. that question of, I'm going to be playing in a very similar style, and, and but I also want to stay myself, you know? Sure. And I think that's what you do. You got to stay yourself. Because I, I used to run from the Stevie thing a lot, you know, because I could feel myself doing it or sounding like him or, or, or making a choice that he would make. And I would run from that in fear of people saying I was trying to copy him, you know? Mm. But it's it's only when I fully let go of any of that fear and said, no, I, I'm actually just making this choice because it's who I am now, you know, and it's, I mean, it's it's what I've been influenced by. So, yeah, it'll come out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but only when I was totally honest and fully true to myself that I feel like I got the, the biggest response and best response of my career, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I feel like that's the same thing with Buble where it's like, I'll remain myself because I'm myself, you know. I don't have to overthink it. Um, I'm making this choice because I'm influenced by this. Fine. Uh, as long as I know I'm not uh, imitating, like, 
consciously imitating something, then I think you stay away from that. People people respond to what is real and what they can feel, you know? Yeah, yeah. Michael Bublé has such a wonderful yet also distinctive singing voice. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. like, what, what what do you think it is about his voice that makes it so uh, memorable to people? I really, that's a hard question. I don't <laughs> know. I know that I feel it. I also, just aside from his voice, I'm a big fan of his um, his choices, you know, um, mm-hmm. the way he connects words and stuff like that. I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what it is about his voice mm-hmm. uh, specifically. I mean, I like just as as a fundamental thing that he uh, didn't run from what he actually wanted to do, you know, yeah. and how he wanted to be. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people told him he was crazy, you know, mm-hmm. for not wanting to do what was modern at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or current at the time. Um, so I think the whole embodiment of who he is kind of speaks to me, but I I can't pinpoint what it is a, about his voice. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that that idea of lyrical phrasing, I guess, of like putting words together in certain ways. Like when oh, people yeah, he's, talk, yeah. when people talk about how much they loved, you know, like Frank Sinatra, that's a thing they point to. Like for sure. How do you how do you thing? Yeah. Yeah. How do you um. How do you, uh, we've kind of talked about this, but like, how do you uh, like look when you look at lyrics, like we, are you looking for those kinds of phrases that are, you know, maybe underexplored, if you will? Um, well, for me, you know, cause I'm usually writing whatever I'm singing. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, I think it's about what I'm saying first and the connecting and all of that stuff comes from, um, how you, you're trying to emote, you know, and mm-hmm. how you're trying to get it across. I don't think it's what the lyric is or how the phrasing is written. It's how you sing it. You know, we can, I can, me and another person can look at the same lyrics and, uh, and connect them in a totally different way. So I think that becomes, uh, all those tools in the tools box really, you know, where it's like, all right, well, I'm going to, I feel this, you know, and I'm going to say that this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just comes over time and, and through uh, influences. You know. Well, I do want to ask the flip side. I don't want you to call out a specific recording because I know you won't. But what is a Christmas song that by the end of the season you are happy to have to never hear it again? And I'll give mine. We Three Kings, mm-hmm. I think, is just so boring. I, I could be glad to never hear that song again in my life. So do you have a song like that? <laughs> well, I, I actually don't need to hear Silent Night. Uh <laughs> Uh, after uh, by the time the season's over, I'm like, got it, you know. <laughs> all right, it was a silent night. I got you, uh, and the, all the different versions, you know. I just you hear it a lot, so I don't mind putting that one to rest by the end of the season. <laughs> well, we're kind of headed into the end here. I wanted to circle back to something you said at the start, which is you left a lot of songs that you thought about kind of on the cutting room floor. So, if there's a, a Christmas with PJ Morton two. What are some other songs you would love to sing that maybe just didn't make the cut this time out? Well, like melodically, one of my favorite songs, period, is just uh, is uh, the original "Let It Snow." Mm-hmm. All around outside is fun. Oh, so delightful. I just love that melody so much, yeah. but I just couldn't do anything special to it, so I just left it off, and I'll just mm-hmm. listen to the ones I love, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is definitely one. White Christmas is also so beautiful. Just those little half notes right there. It's just so, so great. 
Uh, but those are two uh, that stick out in my mind that are our favorites mm-hmm. uh, that I just I le- I left alone. Mm-hmm. We end every episode by asking our guests some of the same questions. So I'm going to ask you a few of those, starting with uh, what's the last kind of the last pop culture thing you did, whether you saw a movie or you watched a TV show, listened to somebody else's album, read a book, played a video game, one of those things like, and what did you think of it? Well, I just went to the movies okay. on my day off on tour mm-hmm. and saw A Star is Born and Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. And uh, I was inspired by both. I, I, I'm always searching for inspiration. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I found something in both of those I could could, could uh, connect to. What did you find inspiring in that, in those two movies? Well, with Queen, I'm a big Queen fan anyway. For sure, yeah. Um, but uh, always in their story, I just connect to— uh, the fact that they were they were so different, you know, and that it also took a minute for them to pop, you know, because they were a little ahead and a little different. Anytime you're different, you know, it takes mm-hmm. a minute for people to kind of digest it. Um, and and, and uh, Freddie Mercury was just unapologetic, you know, mm-hmm. unapologetically him. And uh, I felt that. With The Star is Born, I just think— um, they did a good job of uh, be- being authentic to the story, you know, mm-hmm. of of how it really happens. A lot of times these, uh, like, pop artist movies, uh, mm-hmm. I don't mean Gaga, but I mean movies about pop music or, or, or the music industry, a lot of times they try to um, Hollywood it up too much, you know, and it's, it's not really realistic. Um, it was really cool to see a lot of realistic uh, situations in, in A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm. Very good movie, that one. The next question is, who is the musician that you have learned the most from, living or dead, that you've never met? Um, I got to think of the people. Uh, I'd say D'Angelo. I've never mm. met D'Angelo. Mm. Well, what do you love about D'Angelo? Well, for me, he was coming out a little before I was deciding to be an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was deciding in that at that time, he was playing keys as well um, because I, I would look to Stevie, but Stevie felt so far away and so long before. Um, D'Angelo, to me, was a risk taker. He was the first of that that new soul m- movement where it was like, OK, to sing songs again, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not be an R&B group or, you know, like just sing soul songs. And um, so for me. You know, his style, his production style, his playing style, mm. his singing style, all that really spoke to me at a, at a big point in my life yeah. uh, where I needed to know that that that, that was possible because I didn't really have anybody to look to except people who were, you know, three generations before where I'm like, I want to do that. But is it possible? And D'Angelo came out. I'm like, oh, you could be this, you know. And I, I love that he went away for like 15 years and came back with a stone cold masterpiece. Like I know, man. It's just <laughs> like him, you know. It's just like him. To be honest in the music and it's like unapologetic and it's like here. This is what you what you get. And it was just crazy. Yeah. And finally, uh it doesn't have to be a Christmas gift, but what is the best gift you've ever received? The best gift that I've ever received. Uh shoot, I think uh <laughs> my kid uh, yeah. yeah um i um yeah well my daughter is the youngest you know but my having a daughter 
right now. I, I mean, not to tie it into the Christmas record, but Peyton's lullaby just speaks to, um, you know, how she, she really changed my life and how I view it all. And uh, so to be there and that gift of life, you know, and to see that miracle happen uh, for sure is like the best thing that I could think of. Well, come on. When you were a little kid, there must have been some toy you were super excited about. Oh, you mean like when I was a kid? <laughs> no, it's it's that is a great answer. I just want to hear like when okay. you were a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, no, I got I got plenty. <laughs> I got plenty. But uh, one that sticks out is when my father bought me a, a M1 Korg keyboard. Okay. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, he bought it before I was ready for it. You know, mm-hmm. like I was still trying to figure it out. And and at that time, the M1 was like the one like that was that was what my grown up the, the the people who I looked up to were hoping for they wish they had a brand new one and my dad I think it signaled to me that he believed in me and it signaled to me like all right I can do this I can do this for real you know mm-hmm. um and that one by far that was the best Christmas when I when I got that M1 it was like okay this is it you know and I, I really became locked in and dedicated to like being a musician for my for, for the rest of my life well the album is Christmas with PJ Morton you can find it everywhere music is sold PJ thank you for joining us my pleasure man thanks for having me it was the night before it ye and all through the studio I'm going to abandon this because I'm not good at composing poetry on the fly, but I am the host and executive producer of I Think You're Interesting, Todd Vanderwerf. The producer of this show is Bridget Armstrong. Our editor is Griffin Tanner, who went above and beyond this week to pull this one together. Our executive producer of audio is Nishat Kurwa. Our sound designer is Miles Ewell. Our logo design is thanks to Victor Ware, Crystal Stevens, and Georgia Cowley. Our production manager is Alex Allreich, and our production coordinator is Carrie Clements. This week, audio engineering and the studio in L.A. were provided by Rebel Talk Network. The studio in Sacramento, where PJ was, was provided by Bongo Post. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you found it. It helps us get the word out about the program. You can email me, Todd, at Vox.com. You can email the show, itii.podcast at Vox.com. That's it, ye dot podcast at vox.com and we have a special request we're looking at putting together a greatest hits episode for over the holidays so if you have some greatest hits let us know we'd love to hear them and you can also tweet that information at me at tvoti to vote we are going to be back next week with another person from the world of arts and culture media and entertainment somebody who i think is interesting but until then don't put any top hats on any snowman you see that's just a invitation to something terrible happening and uh, it, it's scary is what it is <laughs> <laughs>